You're listening to 9 to 5 entertainment system. Sure are, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, like this quality it. content. And, uh, we don't do any advertising ourselves. Uh, everything uh, we get is word of mouth. So tell your friends to check out this episode or another episode that starts more smoothly. Yeah, but this one starts pretty great because this is the final regular scheduled season episode of the 9 to 5 Entertainment System. What do we talk about? We talk about a whole bunch of uh, things like Scott not liking Shea Weber. We talk about the best movie ever, Nothing But Trouble, and then we deliver the next best movie ever for me. Then we follow it up with... We talk about the video game Hollow Knight. We talk about video games for kids. We talk about hard genes. Mm-hmm. It says hard games. video games. Hard games. And then we talk about NHL announcers uh, in video games and in real life. I'd like to point out that the thing that Scott takes issue with Shea Weber for is not being great on an interview, and he's terrible on the microphone right now. Hey. So take that, Shea Weber. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> How is Weber not? I mean, okay. Is he not your favorite player, or do you just not hate him because of the PK situation? What's the PK situation? Well, that we traded PK Subban. Dynamic superstar PK Subban for stalwart My favorite thing about Shea Weber Weber. is boring Shea on Twitter. Boring Shea is great. But then he bought the Game of Thrones uh, cloak for the team. No, I get it. Because his name is Shea? Well, because his his hockey name is often, is is like Man Mountain. (laughs) Okay. He's often referred to as like the mountain. So anyway, uh, a lot of teams have um, like little like little trophies that kind of get passed around for like the internal like the locker room MVP. Like a, a bunch of teams yeah, actually use like have title belts, WWE replica belts, and whatever for like the locker room MVP. So okay. so Shea Weber bought like a fur like Night Watts Night Night Watch cloak, cloak mm-hmm. that the MVP wears or whatever. Did, Did you know those things are twenty dollar twenty dollar rugs from IKEA? All right. That's what they made the Night's Watch cloaks out of, $20 IKEA fuzzy rugs. Makes sense, man. There's like yeah. there's mm-hmm. a lot of dudes who need to be wearing these black fuzzy cloaks. Yep. Like, why? But yeah, it's great. So, so there's, every now and then you'll see a post-game interview. The, first, the, the, the first one was, uh, <laughs> was Code Kanyemi, like, which is great because like, so you, they, they showed it a couple times like when Plex had his, uh, his MVP on his Thousands game, whatever. It was like folded up like, on his thing and he wasn't wearing it in interviews. Code Kanyemi gets it and he's like this like, bright-eyed, smiling 18-year-old kid just wearing this fur cloak like, being like, yes, I will take an interview. And he's, like, he's like, it's way warmer than you think. <laughs> Just like take, with all the like press like lights and stuff in his face, wearing awesome. a big fur cloak, uh, a plus stuff. So why don't you like him? He's really boring. He's, he's really he's the guy who was trained to be a hockey interview. Yep. Everybody was a good game. We give it one hundred and ten percent every time we go out there. We need to hungrier on the pucks, uh, force the turnover, watch for mistakes, and uh, maybe bring it to them in the second and uh, turn the game around. Thank you. <laughs> <Just laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> Yeah, but I mean, he but, drains me. If he comes on the, on camera, he drains me. But I, 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 feel, I that, feel as a viewer, like a small forward rushing the play against him feels just like, oh, it's Shea Weber. Yeah, um, I guess. But I mean, we've been, I think, so conditioned to that being like the hockey interview that I don't even think that that interview is like reflective of that person anymore. Like, I think that these guys, like, the guys who are the captains, the guys who are the leaders and whatever else, they bring a ton of other things, and they also bring dull, like, interviews because that's what they've been told management wants to see. 
You know, like I can be real boring in a meeting because my boss told me to be, or I can be fun in this podcast with my friends. You know, like if if that is the like what management's looking for in a leadership role is a guy who can lead and do his thing in the locker room and then sit there and give completely random copy paste quotable sound bites in every hockey interview, then you do. That's part of the job, man. Like. Nice. Because if, if, if you say anything interesting or incendiary or whatever, you're just sort of like, oh, is he a disruption in the locker room? His opinions, he's crazy. Because the, the, right. the NHL I, is the stupidest. The NHL is the stupidest. I watch UFC. I've seen Conor McGregor give an interview. You forget UFC. I'm like literally every other sport, or at least every other major sport. You've ba- Baseball players say whatever they want. Oh, yeah. Like basketball players talk a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. Football players talk a good amount of trash. Like even, Not even talking trash, though. You can be... Have a personality. You can have a personality. Gronk has you, a personality. You do not have to know basketball to know who Shaquille O'Neal is. Hmm. You're talking about one of the greatest players of all time. It's not really fair. I mean, I think if people know Wayne Gretzky is too. Yeah. Actually, no, I would say more people know Michael Jordan than know Wayne Gretzky. Like, yeah, but basketball is a much bigger sport. Michael Jordan was the most known athlete in the world during his tenure of, yeah. of excellence. Like, see, he, he was... People, more, more people, people know, knew who Michael Jordan more people was know than who anyone else in the world. In the world, when he was more people know who Shaquille O'Neal is than Wayne Gretzky, I would say, probably. Yeah, and I feel a lot of that is because Shaq had that personality to go off and make terrible movies and have yeah. good interviews. And Wayne made terrible commercials. Wayne made terrible commercials. And uh-huh. but I mean, even I think more people know who Kobe is than like, and Kobe doesn't have much of a personality. He's pretty like. Like, but he does interviews that yeah. says more than just the same thing every interview. That's what hockey is about. The yeah. same thing every interview. Even even people who have like reps for being terrible didn't have their careers destroyed. Like Allen Iverson talking garbage all the time. At least he had that personality and people wanted to interview him. People wanted to talk to him. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah. It's always – I think hockey has been the – It's like every single hockey player has to talk like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, boy, whose last name is Manning? Oh God! <laughs> Even that. No, Look no. at you, Peyton or Eli. Your interviews no, are no. the same. Like Eli, because Peyton can be funny. His, his SNL was was on point. But like all of that comedy, like traded on being boring. <laughs> like at least he was self-aware enough. I guess like, if, <laughs> if if Weber was set to do that. <laughs> Hey everybody! Thanks for coming to my booth. I'd uh, just like to say a few things uh, before we get so started. So twist, twist. Uh, this is my recipe for cornbread. I have a twist for you. <laughs> All of those Weber memes are actually Weber created. <laughs> if he's at home, like <laughs> if boring Shay Twitter <laughs> is actually Shay Weber. I will take back every negative thing I've ever said about Shea Weber, and I will, I will buy and wear his jersey. Somebody idea. tweeted him. We got to figure this out. <laughs> is this you? Well, like, what do you call it? Like uh, Bobby Lou's. Uh, Twitter alter ego that eventually came out. That was him. Uh, <laughs> but you remember? No, well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, Robert Luongo had like basically a joke Twitter account that is now like known as his. But he would like, but he was just like slamming trades and stuff, and it was like the greatest. He's like, like all star goalie, Robert, like Roberto Luongo, just like like running commentary on like trades of teams that he's not involved with, whatever. And then everyone found out that it was like this Twitter's legitimately run by right. Luongo. My favorite thing that happened to hockey in a long time was Ovechkin winning the cup and just going whole hog party boy for the whole summer. Ovechkin has my favorite moment of the season even so far when uh, when Price robbed him. Yeah. Like five seconds left in the game and like Ovechkin has a shot that like – like Terry Price is having an iffy kind of season right now. But like I would say scores on 
95% of the goalies in and like and mm-hmm. Price just like diving like paddle up it knocks it up and whatever else like that Ovechkin is like wow applauds skates by and gives Carey props on the save as he goes by <laughs> and I was like and I was like stuff like that I was like I love that I'm like this is like opposing team members and like literally Carey that's Pro- not a thing that happens in hockey too too often no like uh, I was like Crosby wouldn't do that Crosby would be like I'm serious and that wasn't a goal I could have put it away and there would be no overtime and I put that on my shoulders whatever versus mm-hmm. like I'm like like Ovechkin comes off as a dude who really loves hockey he's like yeah I would have really enjoyed scoring there but like good save like, like, good save like what yeah. a save man rocket league style what a save <laughs> like like yeah like game respects game yeah. and like if you're there and you're getting paid 10 million dollars to play the sport that you really really enjoy you know Ovi's you still sh- on his first <laughs> professional yeah because he signed a 13 year old con- 13 year contract <laughs> crazy yeah i mean at the time for like nine i think he's a 9.5 cap it because it was nine yep. and ten or whatever now he's a bargain alex ovechkin still the most prolific goal scorer uh, how's everybody doing? <laughs> that was hot time. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What's sort going of. On? Sort of. Sort of. Oh, do you want to get right to it? Oh, I mean, yeah. He really does. It's just like a... <laughs> he just wants to... I would like this to be over. Scott walked into the apartment, and he started swearing at us, like, right out the gate. Didn't and even and explain like, what was like, going what did, on. What did we do wrong? What, what happened here, buddy? <laughs> Why did we do this? Where did, where did the bad movie touch you? You watched the greatest movie of all time? The greatest movie of all time. Nothing but trouble. I think you're supposed to sell it. Yep. Put some positive spins on yeah. this. Nothing but go. trouble. Nothing so, but trouble. Nothing but trouble is a a time portal. Oh, okay, okay. It it takes you back to a different era mm-hmm. where comedy superstars converged. Mm-hmm. You don't now get to see the likes of a Dan Aykroyd, a Chevy Chase, in his prime, like right after Christmas Vacation, possibly his. Possibly his best role. That was a hell of a funny movie. That was a fucking great movie. Like the most enduring... Like not not many actors get to make a movie that becomes a classic. A perennial classic. Like a holiday classic Mm -hmm. even. Like it's in like heavy holiday rotation. That's good forever. Yep. Him. Macaulay Culkin. Bruce Willis. (laughs) (laughs) Like Charlie Brown, right? That's pretty much it. (laughs) Charlie Brown's not a real person. (laughs) Take that back, you son of a bitch. I'm (laughs) sorry. Uh, you should shave your kid's head when you're <laughs> <laughs> Archer will be the best Halloween costume ever. Dad, he's I don't want ne- to shave He's not nearly head. chubby enough. Eh. Just big shirt. Big old t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, John Candy. Like, yeah. just, just great, great talents. Right. Coming together mm-hmm. at once. And these are all people who have worked together, like, in pairs. Mm-hmm. But to have them all clumped in together in the same film. Like, so, so the, the the big big names here are are Acro Chase and Candy and and Demi Moore. Was but she she's kind of bi- like new. Right? Yeah, I was like, going to say, was a... she a big name at the time? Well, right? you can see after this movie, her career really takes off. I think, and I, I don't think that's coincidence. I was going to say, you know, I don't think that that's true. I think like that no, this nosedives of the career of everyone else in it. Though. Oh, oh yeah, it does. It uh, does. <laughs> but the '90s were her heyday, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah and this yeah, is yeah. like right at the start, so this worked, yeah. worked yeah, out for no, Demi. It, it gave her a big boost. Yeah. yeah. Um, We'd have I believe, no G.I. Jane. I believe her... Showgirls. Showgirls. Striptease. Striptease? Yeah, striptease. Striptease, not showgirls. Not Very different movies. One of them is kind of a movie. The other one is just straight exploitation. Yeah, speaking of straight exploitation, mm-hmm. uh, the person who costumed Demi Moore throughout this movie... Oh, wow, really? Just short skirt, low top, the whole film. Mm-hmm. 
That's the that person's name was Chevy Chase. <laughs> Probably Dan Aykroyd. Probably Dan Aykroyd. Man, Dan Aykroyd was the scriptwriter of this of this film, along with his brother. Mm-hmm. And the other Aykroyd, you know, um, from his other works. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Keith, how it is when you, you work with your brother. You have that bond mm-hmm. that, that cements you together forever. I don't think they ever wrote another script together, though. Nice. Was his brother involved with the Ghostbusters script? Because no. that's, that's pretty legendary in its own right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dan Aykroyd so you're saying, with Harold Ramis. Right. So you're saying that the Aykroyds did not, the Coen brothers, they are not. Um, <laughs> they're... Look, Dan Aykroyd was from the not-quite-ready-for-primetime players. Yeah. This movie was not quite ready for theatrical release. The audiences. <laughs> <laughs> it was avant-garde in a way that will always be avant-garde. Like there's no time <laughs> in the future <laughs> that this movie will be um, a movie so ahead. Of it was ahead of the time that'll never come. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so ahead of its time, the time will never, never come. come. Eventually, the universe will cease to expand and begin to to recede in upon itself, and this movie will be watched in reverse. Mm-hmm. And even then, people will be like, "What did, did you, I just watch?" Did you try watching it in reverse? Maybe it makes sense. I watched. How many it's... sittings? How many sittings did it take yeah. you? Four. Whoa! Four sittings. It's only, because and it's only an hour and a half. You're man. dragging it out there, buddy. You're making. Have it you worse. ever been to a Chinese buffet? It's like a band aid. Like, like in Chinatown, like a really. Um, low-cost Chinese buffet, like a nine ninety-nine special Chinese buffet. I mean, you don't just times. get all the food on one trip to the the bar. There's right? too much. Yeah. yeah, no, you got to go back, choke some down, go I back know, I, again, I, choke I did a little Leonard more down. Six and two. <clears throat> so, yeah, there is never been a movie that has run so slowly. And I'm mm-hmm. talking like panoramic shots from There Will Be Blood Slow. Uh-huh. <laughs> While at the same time be so stomach churning like Human Centipede 2 trailers. No, what? Oh. Like it's that hold gross on, out? Hold on, hold no, on. No, it's not that gross out. It's just there is a an emotional response that you don't expect from watching these actors perform these written lines. Wow. Okay, so there, is, there is, there is, like, you Okay, give us some examples. What, yeah. is, what is this movie about and, and, put, and, and put a mise-en-scene of, of one of these... Just situations. anything but the dinner conversation scene because I think I've seen that like 50 yeah. times. So Chevy Chase is playing a financial writer. He, he, he writes uh, um, a magazine for bankers and, and investors and stuff. Yeah, like, a, like a Wall Street Journal kind of thing, whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, he has a new neighbor who is a lawyer in, mm-hmm. in Demi Moore okay. and agrees to take her on a, on a road trip mm-hmm. to Atlantic City to protest or to deal with um, uh, an investment that he had looked at that she was going to protest because it was going to have a catastrophic... Um, environmental impact. So it's like Occupy Wall Street, but like 20 years early. Look, this movie was... Well, the, the, the genius of this film is that plot line is um, not a Chekhov's gun. That is introduced in the first act and, and thrown away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just completely discarded yeah. and uh, is an excuse to get them in a car on the way to drive through this town. Sounds like, you know, there's a director's cut 
with like 45 minutes of extra footage that there, no, would absolutely bring it all no, together. No, that is not true. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it might not be available. It, might, it is. It might only exist in Dan Aykroyd's private library. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think so. Either. I think it is the guy who wrote like a three-hour Ghostbusters. I'm pretty sure he has <laughs> with, werewolves. with werewolves. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's got a like a secret cut of uh, Nothing But Trouble. You guys are missing the fear in Scott's eye. Four a four and a half hour. He was just like, especially when he started seeing Lord of the Rings, and he's like, oh, movies can be four hours, like the special editions. He's like, I got, I've been sitting okay. on this for years. Um, so they go off and they run into the. So, a lot of this this takes a good twenty minutes before they get in the car. Mm-hmm. And, and drive from New York City to Atlantic City, mm-hmm. stopping off through this small town. Mm-hmm. That's a where, short road trip, too, right? Yeah, it's not a long trip. I mean, I, I just remember... It was like a little... Like they're bouncing back, back and forth, and, forth, and, like, and they're an old rickety, like, 1930s cars. Like, yeah, yeah, no, they, they stop off through this town that's in the backwoods of Jersey mm-hmm. and kind of roll through a stop sign where they get pulled over by John Candy. Mm-hmm. And taken to appear directly before the judge, who is played by Don, Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. John Candy's performance. He's a judge dread. Well, <laughs> he is a, dr- a judge that inspires dread. Um, wow. God, this is still only like 25 minutes into the movie. John Candy plays it straight. It's really weird. That's okay. The, his cop person is like, let's just cite them and get them back on the road. They they, they roll through a stop sign and it's fine. That is Chevy Chase has obviously not read the script, <laughs> as Chevy Chase is known for. I don't think you can cast Chevy Chase in a movie and expect him to be like, this is the plot. Will you please follow it? He's bringing the chase. He's bringing the chase. And he just starts talking a lot. He has more words per minute than any other movie I can think of. Wow. Like, so, and is it like, are they... He, just nonsense words? Yeah. <laughs> He's just trying to like fast talk his way through the movie, <laughs> which is interesting as a character. Like that's a weird choice yeah, yeah, yeah. to try to say more words to get the movie over faster. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. While drawing out every scene to make it seem longer. Okay. So they get, a, they, they now need to see the judge. Uh, so the, the judge is wacky Dan Aykroyd in the old man prosthetic makeup. Yeah who uh, decides to hold them over for sentencing for uh, the night. And brings them into his... Then John Candy pulls over another car that is full of drunk party people that are transporting guns, knives, uh, huge bags of cocaine, uh, driving while drunk, and one of them pulls a gun on him. They get executed through the Bone Stripper, which is this archaic... Carnival oh, right. ride. Well, just threw, just threw, a, threw a bone stripper into here. Carnival ride that savagely murders all four of the cargoers, spitting their freshly polished bones out into a giant pile. Hold on. So this is justice in rural New Jersey. Yes. Uh huh. As administered by Dick Nose, Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Then immediately after that scene, the first group of people, including Chevy Chase and Demi Moore, are summoned to dinner, which you can look up on YouTube yes. if you want to watch the that classic. scene of film yep <laughs> god damn this movie is so purposeful <laughs> singular in its direction to be off-putting it is yeah, like i don't know if we talked about this actually it is, on the it podcast is, when it is probably it, like, the greatest influence on tommy wiseau i can <laughs> fucking imagine like i think we talked about this a little bit on the podcast like i really just from what i've heard about this movie 
And from what I understand of Dan Aykroyd's career, like this seems to be like expressly done. Do you know what I mean? Like, I like, like if he was like, and no one will laugh. <laughs> you know Dude, what I mean? Like, really? like, like, from what you're saying, it does seem yeah. purposeful. And like, like, he he tries to keep the judge Dan Aykroyd tries to keep them in prison longer. Um, his niece is also played by John Candy in drag, who is a giant horn dog who the judge says has to marry Chevy Chase's character. They they try so to escape weird. this giant courthouse slash mansion. It um How is, does it end? Just skip oh my to the god. End. <laughs> so Demi Moore and Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase's characters escape back to New York. Mm-hmm. And they contact the New York they, con- <laughs> they contact the local authorities. The local authorities take them very seriously, assemble a, a SWAT team. They they return to the courthouse in Jersey. They're set to arrest the judge. He opens the door. They're there. They're like, you're, 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 your fucking reign of terror is over. And he's like, I think you better look behind you. And every single cop and federal agent and... and person there is like hi judge and they all fucking are set to to ruin chevy chase and demi moore because fucking dan Aykroyd, old judge person has known and bought them all off nice it's like get out and then (laughs) it's yeah yeah it's exactly (laughs) that and then the coal fire that burns under this new jersey town uh finally reaches critical mass the whole building falls into a fiery pit of hell oh neat uh, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore escape, seeing everyone die in this fiery pit of hell, back to their New York apartments. Then they turn on the television, where the news is covering this town sinking into the, the hell. hole. It's a basic <laughs> hell. Yeah. And the judge has managed to survive. He looks at the camera, says, I'll be moving in with my soon-to-be great-grandson by marriage, holds up Chevy Chase's driver's license, at which point Chevy Chase... Runs through the wall of his condo, <laughs> leaving a human-shaped cutout hole, Bugs Bunny style. Credits. I love it. Wow. <laughs> Again, like, I really don't remember if this was brought out mm. on the podcast. Or if we were, I think we might have been talking about it before recording last episode, where it was like, if you're just like all of the audience alienation of Andy Kaufman and no talent, right? <laughs> like, and none of the like, none of the like skillful execution. <laughs> This really sounds like... Oh, it really does sound like Dan Aykroyd was like, Andy Kaufman was a... Do you remember when Andy made the TV visions, like, everybody's TV get fuzzy so they'd hit the TV? Imagine if we made them watch a terrible movie. I don't know. You don't think it could be like a love guru situation where they're just a little out of touch and they're surrounded by yes men and cocaine and then they put out something... Well, that was the the Leonard Part 6 story. Leonard Part 6, Did you you do any, like, research into, like, how did this get made kind of situation? I did. And aside from the fact that they all disavowed it once... The critics had seen the movie mm-hmm. before it was released to audiences. There's no indication that they didn't do anything that they didn't want to do when they were making yeah, it. Yeah, because like I said, like that, that's the weird part is it's like they were even like peak film guys. They were all at their like, that, that That's point. why, like, I mean, like, when we were like, comparing this to like Leonard Part Six, like Leonard Part Six, you could make the arguments because like uh, Cosby wasn't a big movie guy, right? Like, what are yeah, Ghost Stand Up at that point? Yeah. Like I don't know, he was on. He had the Cosby Show already, but I'm like, I'm like, I think Ghost Dad is really his only like movie that I would recognize him 
as, right? It yeah. It's not like you could, like, And there's more of an anecdotal storyteller, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That's his, it. His but con- so it's like you can kind of see, like, oh, like, his transition to the big screen was nonsense. But I'm like, if you have, like, Candy, who's been all over the place, and, like, Chase is coming off of the vacation movies, and Fletch, and, like, Caddyshack, and, Caddyshack, like, and it's like... Candy has made great chemistry movies, like... Plane Trains and, Plane Trains and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. Um... Canadian Bacon was later. Yeah, Canadian, Canadian Bacon was later. later. Uh, Great Outdoors is also later. Yeah. No, yeah, Great Ac- Outdoors was not later. Great Outdoors was before this movie. Really? And so Ackroyd and Candy had already worked Cause together. Because I was going to say, because I was like, Ackroyd like, and Candy were even like yeah. decent together in Great Outdoors. Like, Are you sure they were on SCTV together as well years before? And, and had, yeah. they, they'd flown in the same circles. Sure, these, sure. these people knew each other and, and understood each other's comedy well. Like they knew what everyone was capable and of. Great Outdoors <laughs> is very funny. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Spies Like Us... It's not the greatest comedy, but it is it is a funny movie that where where uh, Chase and Ackroyd had worked together before. Mm-hmm. Like they knew what to expect from each other. I and think it's rare that that um, Ackroyd gets the free reign. Like this might have been him saying, "Guys, guys, guys, it's going to be me. It's going to be my script. I'm going to direct it." That and then that's they, what happens, that right? And then that, that's where but you like, would have had werewolves. It's a weird. In. It's a weird dichotomy where obviously Ac- uh, Candy had bought into it. Mm-hmm. Plays it straight in one role and like way over the top in the other. Yeah. And Chevy just goes so sideways. That's amazing. Though. Like, <laughs> it could have been like I'm, I want a um, making of this what's movie. His, yeah, what's his make, name from How to Get Made? Uh, community. Jeff. Uh, my goodness, why did I blank on him? Right. Uh, crap. You know the Joel okay. McHale. Joel, Joel McHale. McHale. Yeah. Chevy Chase in Nothing But Trouble could have been Joel McHale playing Chevy Chase in Nothing But Trouble. Like, yeah. it's that terrible Chevy Chase. <laughs> He's like a caricature of himself, you're saying? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But a, a negative caricature. Like, like a tearing sound, down so, of Chevy Chase. Um, at did at it, the height of his popularity. Did it right. gross you out? It turned my stomach in a way that... I watched it a woman. Didn't mean to. I watched a woman slowly smush spaghetti onto Bill Cosby's head while sensual music played in the background. No, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of <laughs> there's a couple of characters that are these giant fat man babies that are wearing loincloths and have. I like that your synopsis did not include these people. Yeah. <laughs> not relative to the plot points. They're just there. They're just kind of around, and they kind of make Demi more uncomfortable for a few scenes. But Only kind of. <laughs> like. Well, they should have made they, Demi Moore very uncomfortable. Except John Candy and Drag tries to throw Demi Moore into a actual flaming coal pit, and oh. they save her because they want to play cards with her. Oh, okay. They're like a Tweedledum, Tweedledee situation. Kind of, but they're mostly naked and moist the whole time. Like it's, they look like garbage pail kids. When I think of big, heavy set dudes, what I like to see it's is moist. moisture. Yeah. <laughs> they they look like garbage pail, six foot tall garbage pail kids. Honestly, the, the old guy kind of reminds me of a garbage pail kid kind of style yeah, of yeah. yeah. It might have been that kind right. of humor. And it, it was just like this isn't funny. This is painful to watch. It's dragging on. Okay, I feel that. You've you've sent oh. you've, you've sent this home. You didn't even, but you didn't even attempt to try to make it wa- sound watchable to us. I mean, if I feel like it's like reading uh, a Wikipedia article about a tragedy. Sometimes you just have to witness it 
To experience it? To experience it. I don't think you can fully understand the damage that this film does Jeez. to Hollywood. <laughs> Rank this biz. Yep. Yep. So at the bottom of the list, we have Leonard Part 6. And above <laughs> that, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp. I think above that, What's The Room? Uh, no, the room is actually a couple. Because above that is this giant papier-mâché boulder is actually quite heavy, which you, I believe you watched. And then Soul Man. Oh, and then Soul Man. These movies are really, like, so far, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, is not, it is not as good as this papier-mâché. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay, so then it's the I mean, Rocky on the other hand, though, so... It's Rocky Horror Picture Show or Leonard Part 6. Yeah. None of the people in this movie are convicted sexual... It's not really movies. fair to blame the Isn't film for it? that. You know, it's not. I think it's okay. Uh, if if knowing that while filming that film, he was likely a monster, I think it's okay. It's not like he became a monster later. It was just they caught him later. I'm, uh, I'm not going to put it below Leonard Part 6. That's, Leonard Part 6 is at the bottom of the list. Right, it's not okay. going anywhere. Based on everything I've seen... <laughs> This movie is better again. than Leonard Part Six, and again, and that's that's not taking into account context. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I will. I will say that uh, similarly to my ranking of Leonard Part Six, they're not great covers of good songs, but there is good music in the new Rocky Horror. Then that puts it above Nothing But Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> there was not a scene in Nothing But Trouble, not a single scene that that I witnessed. That was at all okay to put in front of the public's eyes. Wow. Let alone in like a pretty big budget film, right? In, like in, a, in a budgeted What was the budget? Film. Are you looking that up right yeah. now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to find out. Nothing But Trouble yeah. had a budget. Uh, I feel like I want to go watch this now. This is like a, <laughs> like a road trip, like a, tr- like a disaster of epic proportions. You it's know? just had an expected budget of $40 million. Wow. Made 8.4. Fully 20 of which was cocaine. Cocaine. No, no, I'm just saying, but okay, you're thinking that these people don't have direct hookups and they're paying for cocaine? I feel there's another, an additional $20 million on top of that because it was in cocaine. It yeah. had a $60 million budget, <laughs> $40 million in cash, $20 million in cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> that, that $20 million in cocaine, that's off the books, John. Right. Well, I mean, it was the 80s, you know? Like, <laughs> 91. The, the only good 91. thing, the only good thing I can think about this movie is thinking in my mind's eye of Bill Murray watching this at home by himself <laughs> at the time of its release. You're like, just, I said no. I said no. Yeah. And, and just so happy with himself. <laughs> watching Chevy crash and burn constantly. This is also literally the only writing credit that Peter Aykroyd has. Like the other Aykroyd. Yeah. He's also... he's also, Do you know what Peter Aykroyd... He's had the saddest career. He's just had like weird cameo roles he got, his brother put him in conads as high master mentot he was mm-hmm. phony cop number two in dragnet he was that like was another dan Aykroyd. yeah exactly yeah he was in kids of the round table like he just he is it's just dan's put him in some movies i guess throwing his brother a bone <sighs> wow that's terrible dude speaking of good music uh, are we going to go with our impression for Jonathan's next assignment? You guys are already, I, already yeah, up. The other one um, Ugh, I'd spoken of was that part one of that extended series. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I, I'm I know, kind of into the first idea. <laughs> I was thinking we could give him the choice. I know. I don't think that's how this works. <laughs> I, think, I don't think it's how it's. But I'm also like on 
I, this is kind of a because, red pill, blue pill situation. No, but because, <laughs> but because of the music and the fact that Rocky Horror has defended itself... Because of the music? Because of the music. That's why I'm interested in that first choice, <laughs> to see if, where it could go. Yeah, no, I mean, I... I've watched the trailer and thought, man, John would. We got a long Christmas break here, boys. Yeah, 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 I got yeah. plenty of time to. All right, to hit let's. This. I'm gonna gonna shoot some. So we're gonna go with that that first one. Uh, some ones that we didn't choose. Hmm. Give John some of the ones that we didn't choose. Sure. Go for it. I don't remember what some of the some of the things that we didn't choose. Uh. We almost chose the fourth movie of the five movies in the Twilight Saga. Okay. Breaking, <laughs> okay. breaking Dawn Part 1. Hey, I watched the first I one. I kind of enjoyed it. I was going to say we should have gone with the fifth movie. <laughs> so it was Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> no fucking idea what's going on. I kind of wanted to leave him on a cliffhanger of the end of Part oh, 1. So, so you were hoping that he would ultimately watch Part 2 of his own? <laughs> <laughs> Desperate like, to find out well, what happened. Now I want to know how it ends. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I would, I would, go, I would gratefully, I would, I would. We'd already kind of done vampire movies, yeah. so. and, and we had done vampire movies, and it was like a, a theme going forward. I, I also, I'm honestly a little like regretful of having not watched all of those Twilight movies at one point or another because I watch movies all the goddamn time, and and it's like they're legendarily terrible. You I know? believe I wanna... on the podcast, I'm I'm quoted as saying the first one was not awful. It was though. It was a miserable film. I enjoyed it because it was being MST three K. You even you even liked the sequel. You liked Baseball in the Rain. That was in the first. That was in the first one. Oh, yeah. Whatever. The sequel was really bad. It's hard to watch. I did like Baseball, Vampire Baseball. Mm. But I, I also like again MST three K made it good. So what can we say about this music? It features uh, one of the greatest dancers of all time, Michael Jackson. No, think older. Barishnikov? Younger? <laughs> uh, I have no idea, man. I'm not a... Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Okay. Gene Kelly is featured in this film. Okay. Legitimately, I'd Hollywood say... Hollywood superstar. Hollywood superstar, and legitimately one, I think, the greatest dancers of all time. This is sure, Singing in the Rain. He was the Gene Singing Kelly. in the Rain guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's probably one of the greatest Hollywood stars of all time. Yeah, like one of the traditional leading... Silver screen. Leading man. Yeah. And also, I think like that old school, like... Does it all? Old school, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like you know, like, like like singer, dancer, actor, actor like you know, like like that mm-hmm. just put me in front of an audience and I will entertain. Ta-ta-ta-ta. Gene Kelly. This movie okay. technically made money. Okay. On a budget of twenty million, it made twenty two point eight. So it was not a flop in the sense of uh Box office. Yeah. Although it was with Gene Kelly draw. Um features music, including a number one hit song. Uh, featuring the Electric Light Orchestra. I like Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. I was just listening to their their album, one Crazy. of their albums. Um, the film opens with a large mural of the nine muses of Olympus coming to life, with the women emerging from the painting and flying into the sky. Okay. One of them returns to Earth. Huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we want you to watch the Olivia Newton-John... Vehicle, because she sings in it as well. Like, yep. She sings with ELO, and, uh-huh. and she's known for being a singer. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. right. Come out before this movie. Xanadu, Xanadu, a fantasy, a musical, huh. a place where dreams come true. Like X A N A D U, X A N A D U. You want to watch the uh, the trailer? I mean, yes. I know the poem. Oh, yeah, I'd love to but watch yes, the trailer. Do. Let's do it. I'm into this. <laughs> okay, you know, I there. I think. Okay, so from from the trailer, what I get the impression of this, it's like there's a point where the 70s 
stop being cool. Hit the 80s. They this hit is the 1980. 80s. That's what I'm saying. It's like the 70s, like they crash and burn when disco's been like way too played out. And right. we're all, you know, I think that's what this is. This is like disco being way too played way out. Way too played out. And they think, was it, did they think that Gene Kelly was going to bring back disco? I, they, I think they, this, this looks like they were trying to grab people and just mash them together and hope mm-hmm. it worked, you know? No matter what else happens. We didn't even, what's his name from the Warriors? Michael Beck? Yeah. Who I mean, thrilled you in The Warriors. He did, though. I mean... <laughs> Other than Olivia Newton-John, the girl you loved from Greece. Yeah, like, they, they gotta tell you. Gene yeah, Kelly, remember him? The remember, best dancer ever? Yeah, he's yeah. old now. Singing in the Rain was 20-plus years ago. Yeah. I still think you've got Gene Kelly who's gonna put on some, some I wonderful think dances. I'm sure that he fine. will. And, uh, yeah, well, I mean... He didn't he have that scene on roller skates in another movie that was super dope? Singing in the rain. That's in the, oh yeah, that, that scene. Dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not on roller skates. He does singing. a dancing scene in roller skates. Does in the scene yeah, the and it's, huh. it's 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 boss. It's insane. It's it's not the singing in the rain, right? right. <laughs> but, but it's from that movie, and and he fucking kills it on these old steel strapped to your dress shoes rolling skates. And you're always like, you're like, man, I'm, like the tires must be locked. And then he's like. And like scoots away on them in a single take, and you're like, I guess the tires weren't locked. Like he like tap dances on the like on the quads, and then maybe he's, like, he's magic. He, as far as I know, Gene Kelly is magic. Right. Um, this movie is 90 minutes long, and that trailer promised 10 new brand new songs. I think it promised 10 brand new hit songs. Yeah. Right. The implication was that they're hits before the movie. And I mean, Although knowing Electric Light Orchestra, that's not impossible. Well, yeah, I'm sure, but I mean, but also like I, the 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 title track was Magic, which mm-hmm. was like legitimately number one hit. So the the song outperformed the film by like I think any any stretch of imagination. Right. Like I, I don't think, think I think Xanadu also did pretty well. The theme song sung by Olivia Newton-John. Maybe. Mm-hmm. What are they? I want to know who musical numbers. Uh, the album grouped Olivia Newton-John and ELO songs into opposite sides of the album, so you could listen to all Olivia or all ELO, whatever you want. Thanks for that. <laughs> wow. All right. I yep. feel like you guys. This is generous. This magic. Might even be magic. Right. Um, so just like so just like just so you know, so the number one single, Magic, yeah. is uh, pl- like performed when Kira and Sunny have their first conversation okay. while Kira is roller skating. Uh huh. <clears throat> so that's how they meet. At a, you look- at a roller disco, I feel like this is going to be like a long sequence of of like dance numbers at roller discos, interspersed with corny '70s special effects and maybe some. Yeah, edits. might not be the worst. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's okay. So I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, whenever you're away from me, Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John, heavily influenced by Frank Sinatra. Um, okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, well, I'll make that. sure to watch I'm that. Ex- I'm excited. Um, we have. It's, this, is, this works out pretty good. Uh, last week, I wanted to talk about Hollow Knight. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. then uh, one of our patrons asked that I talk about Hollow Knight. So now oh. I have to. Well, here you go. Hollow Knight. Yep. Uh, patron Jer uh, said that he's strongly in favor of another video game segment. Uh, he's recently been playing Hollow Knight. Uh, he's about 40 hours in. Hope to finish it soon. You 40? Sh- yeah, I was a- if you if you do everything, it'd probably take fifty to sixty. Mm-hmm. Like I'm clocking in at around fifty. Uh, but forty hours in, I'd be interested in to know what you think of its approach to storytelling. In that there is a lot of lore, but it is all told incidentally, without any real setting of the scene or anything resembling exposition. In my mind, this is an approach to storytelling that lends itself to video games, but that would turn me off in a film or novels. So yeah, Hollow Knight does the I think Dark Souls you said kind of does that thing too, mm-hmm. where 
Like absolutely. Like, like you can play through the game and think there is no story, and then if you actually read the the items and, and you like look around the maps, you yeah. can tell there's a huge story that is told. Yeah, yeah. Hollow Knight super cool. Some yeah. of the stuff, and I don't know if Jared has done all of this, but like, you uh, spoil stuff. You guys, well, gonna spoil I, I know, I'm not necessarily going to spoil particular elements, but there's so the the whole idea is, is that you're basically this uh, this little dude who is like coming into a civilization that is collapsed. Okay. So the remnants of that civilization are all around everywhere. And even then, there's also even bits and pieces of, like, lore and hints and stuff like that around the game about how it collapsed and even what they tried to do to prevent its collapse. Like, there's various eras. Like, uh, you're basically your your bugs in a giant bug nest. Mm -hmm. And as you, like, descend, you can get into, like, the older civilization. And, like, in the higher areas, there's, like, a lab and stuff where they were actually fighting what ultimately killed them. And you're sort of trying to, like, piece it together. but Or not. Right. Or you can just run around slashing enemies. Like, you don't really need to piece together the story. That is not, like, that's not an objective of the game, but it is a thing you can do. So you can pick up even, like, certain charms and things that are, like, uh, like key items, but they belong to, like, um, maybe, like, his sometimes, like, historical heroes and whatever. Hmm. And if you go, like, with certain items equipped to talk to certain ghosts in the area, they'll talk to you like you were the hero. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... They won't tell you anything about the lore. So it's like you even need to do like – it's not just like finding the dude. You need you to like, like figure it out. Find the dude with the item equipped that – like if you find the the queen and you have like the armor of her knight equipped, she's like, is that you? And then like opens up an entire like branch of dialogue that she will not say if you don't have that particular item equipped. So it's Does not... the dialogue lead to other maps or lead to other quests or anything? Nope. No. It's just, just if you want to fill out the uh, – Yeah, if, the... You want, if, if you want to explore the story – you can through various means. It's kind of neat. Like I, which is like I mean, to to Jared's point, it's like I think it's something that unique, and I think that's kind of you could only get away with that in a in a video game. If for book, sure, yeah. if a book was like, I'm not going to tell you what's going on. I'm just going to well, well yes and no, right? Like Mad Max kind of does it. If you read okay. this book in the day, you can see extra words. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so in Game of Thrones, like it's it's well known for doing stuff like that, where the same scene will happen from two different characters' perspectives. And yeah. if you pay attention, one of the characters describes something about the other character that provides you good information that you yeah. wouldn't have known, like the yeah. whole um, Lyanna and Rhaegar are John's parents yeah, yeah, thing, sure. which is like hinted at. You only get it if you. If also, you really... I mean, I'm also thinking uh, Lord of the Rings a little bit, like when they talk about how we got there mm -hmm. like Sauron's first reign and stuff like there's a lot of story that like no one's ever like let me tell you about how we got here like like the other wizards and stuff like they're never right like it's it's only like alluded to like there's very little it sounds a little bit more like Watchmen and the extra story that's just slid into the back of, of every issue maybe I'm, I'm also like I said I, I'm also thinking of Fury Road where the backstory of Fury Road is never explained <laughs> like the current story is which is you're, there's a chuck full of milk and you're trying to get ladies out. Uh -huh. But, like, how we got to that point, like, is... It's not necessarily relevant. Yeah. And it, But it's there if you're going to, like, pick up the clues and stuff like that. Maybe not necessarily in the same depth of Hollow Knight. Sure. Um, like the latest Spider-Man movie. They don't fucking explain that Uncle Ben got killed and he's living with his aunt. Man. Well, I mean, but this is, there's, this is a multiverse <laughs> Spider-Man movie. Oh, man, that new movie looks so good. Apparently, it's amazing. We need to I talked to Christian and Anthony. They saw it. They said it was, like, insane. It, it has, like, so a 97% fresh. We're talking about Spider-Man in the, Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Right. Miles Morales. Finally, Miles Morales on a big screen. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the other thing he writes, he's like, this is also the first game that I've played where looking things up on a wiki feels like part of the fun instead of cheating. I will hmm. say, Jer, you're cheating. 
<laughs> <laughs> I found the complete opposite. So this game basically plays like a 2D Metroidvania style where the map does open up like not necessarily like like I said, like Metroid 1. Like you know Metroid 1 where you're sort of like you can go anywhere. There's going to be parts yeah. that are pretty rough to get to mm-hmm. uh, versus like Super Metroid where you're like even though it's got a big map, it's pretty linear. It's, you go down the one branch you can get, get the item, that opens up a second branch yeah. and you keep going. Even Symphony of the Night's kind of like that too. Like you can get you can get a little lost. There's a little bit of freedom, but not not as yeah. much as it feels like. Yeah, exactly. Like this, there's a lot of like obviously bouncing around the map when you have all of the movement items is much quicker. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a lot of ways where if it's like it's going to be hard for you to like here. Perfect, perfect example. There's like a couple of like creatures with armored shells floating over an acid pool. Mm-hmm. If you're real good with your sword, you can bounce across them uh, like downward slashing to bounce across the things, and it's like complicated as hell. Later on in the game, you'll have the ability to just fly over that area or swim in acid. Right. So it's like you could do that, or you could bounce over them with the swords. And it's the the challenge is like the a lot of the boss fights and stuff are extremely, extremely tight, like pattern based attacks. Mm-hmm. So the difference between coming in now or coming in later isn't going to be that you're that much better. It's that you'll need to hit them maybe thirty times instead of twenty. So it's like it's still pretty doable. Like it, it's much harder to do if you don't have the correct way. But like you can, you often have the impression of like, should I even be in the zone? And like the answer is, is like if you can get there, yeah, like, right. like probably. Which I think is is really thrilling. And I actually I did the opposite of Jarrett, where I took, uh, like I didn't open up the wiki until I was pretty confident that I was like I have the door to the last boss open and um, like most of the items or whatever. And then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to go through, pick up the last charms that I didn't get and find the little grubs that I didn't, didn't get to. So I was just like, like I went from a, like basically discovered about 90% of the map before mm-hmm. looking anything up. So, which I think, and, you and just for, cheated right at the end. Well, for a hundred percent completion, I could have just beaten the game and then gone back and just like D- did it again. But then you have to commit to doing the game again. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, it. Like, there's no save point. No, it's auto save. Like if you kill someone, they're dead. Like you're allowed to kill the NPCs. Certain ghost NPCs, yeah, you can kill some ghost NPCs, and then they're like, again, it's mostly lore stuff, but like they would have told you stuff later in the game, and they're like, nope, they're gone now, Hmm. and like pretty much, and it's funny, almost every time you do it, it's like a little autosave like flashes up. You're like, there it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's some Dark Souls stuff there too. Like you can just like you you're you're never not in combat mode, so you can just start swinging at any NPC, and in fact, you can kill the only guy in the game who can upgrade your weapons, and too bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's a couple dudes like who you can't kill. Yeah. But yeah, but a lot of that. So I on the other like I got into that was it. Demon Souls. But yeah, yeah, I got into it based on that like I'm gonna traverse this map a gazillion times over and just like figure it out. Like do the do the the Castlevania thing where you like you pop up with a map and you're even like looking for gaps for hidden rooms. You're totally. like, yeah, the hidden room could be in this area because. Anyway, yeah, very cool, super engaging. Hits the the Dark Souls notes, which Jar also comments. He says this game has been praised as a. 2D Dark Souls by several reviews reviewers, in part for these two reasons. One is like obviously the difficulty level, which is like kind of through the roof. Mm-hmm. The open exploration where you can kind of go anywhere, and uh, also the storytelling, um, which is like like ah, the Dark Open-ended. Souls. Yeah. He says you could mention this to John and see how huffy offended any elitist he gets. Smiley what? face. This is what listener Jared thinks of John. I love Dark Souls and I love 2D Metroidvania games, so this is like right up my alley. I'm not gonna. Get you really it. should pick it up. I think yeah. it's yeah, Void Art Edition. I think it's twenty bucks. Like and and legitimately like worth it. it not only worth it, but if you if you want to go and do everything, you're looking at like a fifty hour like thing. And the boss fights are like that same thing that you talk about with with Dark Souls, where it's like you'll have to hit a 
some boss fights are like, I will need to do this 10 to 15 times mm-hmm. like to, to get it right. And when you do get it right, you're like, I'm a golden god. You're just sort of like, like dodging out of the way. Like, like the first time you fight a boss, he'll just like maul you. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, now I know his like first sequence of attacks. And then you just like start getting better and better. There's a Colosseum mode that I haven't done yet. That So first of all, it unlocks apparently one. Like you have to fight it. Like there's three stages of a different Colosseum, like an arena of sport. Um like get progressively harder. The third one, I have yet to get to the boss and it takes me about 15 to 16 minutes to get to the point where I can get to. Okay. So like, just like, and that's like 15, 16 minutes of like nonstop fighting. And apparently the boss at the end is like a difficult boss. Is this like the super hardest level of the Coliseum? And Andrew says it's the hardest level of the Coliseum, but he says not the hardest fight in the game. Really? There's like a secret boss somewhere that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's apparently just like absurd. So Hmm. I'm excited. Cool. It's very fun. And, and and like I said, it's like throughout most of the game, like you upgrade your sword and you can get like a couple spells. Like very Castlevania. Like the spells are certainly not make or break. Right. Like the game is jumping, dodging, and sorting. Like, and the spells are like little little buffs here and there. Hmm. A plus. Cool. Uh, I would, uh, next week when we talk about our favorite things of the year, uh, it's definitely the only game I played that came out in 2018. So I would say it's my 2018 game of the year. <laughs> like, um, on a related note, Jerry wants to know, I guess from Scott, uh, my kids have, are both recently interested in my video games. All right. Uh, so far, they're just played with the controllers on games like Mario Odyssey, but I'd be curious to Scott if he had interesting suggestions for video games for children. So your kid, you were playing with the Wii, and then he's kind of outgrown the Wii or something? Or No, he gets frustrated by the... Um... Dexterity issues. Okay. He is only five years old, Mm -hmm. and he finds that it's not forgiving enough for him. So right now, Archer spends a lot of time when he's doing video games, which is not a whole lot of time, um, bouncing back and forth between the PBS Kids website, which has a lot of Flash games based on their television properties. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty good website if you're looking at little kids. All this stuff is mostly educational. Yeah. It's fairly forgiving in terms of dexterity requirements and uh, safe. Yeah. Do you ever put? Is, which is important. You could put them on Super Mario Wii without the Super Mario Brothers Wii without the multiple people bumping into each other because there's like a mode on easy where like literally even if you fall down a hole you just bubble up. <laughs> like it's like you're like bloop bloop and it's like bubble bubble continually. You can almost yeah like... yeah. I tried Mario Kart. I tried Mario Party, and both of those things got him very frustrated. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he does like phone apps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like tap and things blink at you though. No. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, what about, like, a... He he, he plays Pokemon Go um, on either Marissa's or my phone when mm-hmm. we give him the chance. Yep. Um, he has to catch them all. He's got to catch them all. He's kind of nervous about that because Marissa was, like, not near enough Pokestops, so she would always run out of balls. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. she would be like, <clears throat> we don't need to catch another Caterpie. Stop. Fair. Parenting. And, and my front... <laughs> my, my desk at my office is... Within range of a Pokestop, yeah. so I always have too many. And this is like, why your phone is always dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, kid, just catch them. Just throw all the Pokeballs. Just throw them all. Catch everything you see. I remember there was one time when the game came out that, so the game came out about two years ago. So that would put Archer at like three. Yeah. And Marissa had some like 
legitimate like concern because I think if you if you cycle all your balls, you go to the ultra balls like or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so it's like if you cycle all your regular balls, you go into your like harder to get balls or whatever. Right. And like just three old doctors like whoop and like shooting the balls. Oh, and Bruce is like Archer, Archer, no! <laughs> just like <laughs> grabbing the phone because he's like he's using the like the ultra balls and stuff. Like, well, yeah. there are three gyms on the grounds of the hospital, mm-hmm. so I get fifty coins a day. So I have oh, they fix uh, that again. I have a bag that can, can hold 650 items right now. Yep. So I'm holding probably 400 Pokeballs. Yeah. And that I can refill the next day. Is that a lot? I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Can, I'm glad to see that they fix I can probably spend about 20 or 25 Pokeballs a session if I'm walking around and catching stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that's so an enormous amount. I can let Archer throw away 200 Pokeballs and not be, not be mad about it. Because you're the cool parent. Sounds like you're better at this game <laughs> than the rest of <laughs> I'm glad they fixed the poker coin thing because that was literally what stopped me from playing when the when the gym curve was so hard that you could get like two or three coins a day. Remember that period, the first gym update. That I was only literally... started playing about four months ago. Okay, so you missed it. There was a there was a gym. The first gyms you could probably grab like ten to thirty coins a day with like half decent Pokemon yeah. coming going to the gyms. You grab about ten to thirty. Then they made an update where you literally would have to hold the gym spot for an hour to, before you could get a coin. It's so you, about that. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You can actually hold it, so the game maybe has died down. There was no way to hold the gym unless you had, like, monstrously high-level monsters in the game for more than about 10, 15 minutes. Because you'd always you'd slot into one of the, like, bottom two or three spots if you were a casual. Or not have a monster that could no, even get in there. No, it's first in, first out with teams now. So okay. if you take the gym, you're first, and then you'll be the first one kicked out, which is weird. I wish that was reversed. I think if you do all the work to take the gym, you should be the last one out. Hmm. But... No, I mean, like, my gyms turn over pretty high. At, yeah, but you, could, at but you could hold it high enough to collect. That was, It was in the... Unless, unless you had, like... You just... You just unless, you had high, unless you had, like, high-level Dragonites, or dra- whatever the... Yeah, Dragonites, I think, at the top level at the time. Unless you had high-level Dragonites, you couldn't collect coins, basically. Was well, the, it's, like, it's more... You need to get lucky enough to have some other people on your team dump theirs into the gym right away. Yeah, no, but it wasn't even that. So if I, if I <laughs> hop into my gym and I just... No one, no other yellow player comes by to jump. Yes, yeah, so that's more like that's more like how it was in the first out. update. Like, the, yeah, that's more how it, like it was when I started. Playing. But if five other five other players walk by and throw it in, you make throw it, it yeah. in. I can hold on onto yeah. it for. Yeah, because what would happen in the other update is that the higher level players would go higher up in the gym tier. So unless you had like mm. god tier Pokemon, you'd be the first out all the time. Oh yeah, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So that they it's, fixed. It's, it's first in. If you take the gym, you're. You're in first, and then they could kick you out. Or if if I'm just walking by and some other yellow player is taking the gym, I can throw mine in right at the back of the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was not like that. It was the worst. Anyway, I'm gonna take this a different direction. Jer, find your Super Nintendo, plug it on in, give your give your kid the lost levels, and tell him, son, that's the only game we have. You want more? You got to save up yeah. your allowance. There's sixty bucks. I was gonna say like there's other uh, Spider-Man, X-Men, Arcade's Revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jer actually owned that. That's yeah, why yeah, I know yeah. so much about that stupid fucking game. I, I have that game too. Man. I was, that there game was, not that's nice. it. Like I would. Yeah, this is a great social experiment, I think, for both Scott and uh, Jer, whatever. Which is just like you should do that. Like be like, well, this weekend Archie plays many video games as you want. Like because what happened? Got to be. Spider-Man. But it's this one. It's the game we have for the weekend. Because that was renting a game, That's how right? we did it. Yeah. If it was garbage, you'd be like, Sometimes okay. you save up your goddamn money. You get eight bucks, you rent a game, and it's trash. you got to play Spider-Man and the X-Men yep. Arcade's Revenge. For or you us. save up 40 bucks and buy it. Yep. <sighs> Spider-Man, X-Men, Arcade's Revenge. I own a copy. Jesus. I was like, what? I think one of the first games that I remember purchasing on my own 
Like, I would often go, like, my parents were very, very stringent with video games, like, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, they would often make me pay a certain amount. Like, like oh, if you can get, like, 10, 15 bucks together for this game that you want, we'll, like, we'll cover the rest of it. But the thing, the first game that I bought, one of the first games I bought entirely on my own was uh, Earthroom Gym on Genesis. That's a hard and, fucking game. And, A, I beat the hell out of that game. Uh, first of all, including like the extra levels and whatever, and B, I'm like holds up. Like I went back and played it on emulator. I was like, it, it looks great. Like it still looks amazing. Yep. Like yeah. and shiny, shiny entertainment. Was yeah, 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 yeah. They also oh, yeah. and like nice sprites. Yeah, like the Good. sprites look like it looks like almost it could be like a PS4 indie game, <laughs> like kind of yeah. thing. Like even yeah. though like it doesn't have that like super 16-bit style, yeah. looks. It's, am- it's it's probably up there with some of the Disney. Genesis Nintendo games. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe even higher. Like the backgrounds are so nice in Earthworm Jim. Like, don't don't mess with the the look of Lion King and Aladdin. Those two games look. Those games really were good. light years ahead of. Their I time. was gonna say, but yeah. level level design by Doug Tenapple and stuff. Like oh, level design of the fucking Lion King is a goddamn nightmare. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not just saying level design of the actual levels. But I mean, like, but the the, the, the areas, like the art, art, like Doug Tenapple was one of the artistic leads on freaking Earthworm Jim. Hmm. Like. Nuts and nothing the, reused. The, the line, Every level. The Disney games were were animated by Disney. Disney. Animated. Animated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gave... sure they look good, but I mean, but they they also look like Disney movies. Like Earthworm Jim looked like another thing. Like it almost looked like claymation. Like the yeah. the backgrounds yeah. like look like cartoons wandering around claymation levels. Super cool. I'm, I'm not but, dissing it. I said yeah, this. I bet it's do, like no regrets. But yeah, that is a hard game. Mm-hmm. Like I I played it like popped it in uh, on an emulator maybe about a year or two ago, whatever, and was like getting dead a yep. lot of the times and i was like whoa i played the hell out of this game and then the hidden levels are like super hard and i was like the the last level if you do you remember the last level of earthworm jim mm, describe it it is almost entirely you have to navigate continually swinging on the whip because it spikes top spikes bottom. oh yeah, yeah yeah and it is like the whole level you need to navigate an entire level of basically swinging with like a couple platforms to like stand and catch your breath then you need to fight the last boss who is also only has like one or two little levels and you just need to swing and it's nuts. Yep. And that was just that was and that was considered just like a good game. That game wasn't even like regarded as like unfair or whatever. People were just like, yeah, I'm gonna play Earthworm Jim. And it's Earthworm gonna- Jim though was in, in, in its own its own space, like because it was beautiful and super hard and like better developed than so many other games. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was really a like a gem from that era. Yep. John, what was your first bought it myself game? Jeez. I remember um, going and getting Eye of the Beholder two. Ooh. And it was like I went and got it, and it was for my my computer. And I had a 286, and I brought it home, and I plugged it in, and I couldn't play it because it didn't have enough RAM. And then mm-hmm. I had to run around and find a way to get more RAM. And then I couldn't do that. And then I spent hours and hours and hours retooling my autoexec.bat to only load parts of DOS that I needed to get enough RAM to be able mm-hmm. to play this game. And was it worth it? It was totally worth it. I Dude, was a, was a magnificent game. I was a console kid. You know what I had to do? I went last. Yeah, you didn't get to learn about computers. I learned a lot about computers getting that game working. And it was magnificent. Listen, you took your whole fucking party from Eye of the Beholder 1, you loaded them up into this game, and they took away all of your best magic items. Fuck you, Eye of the Beholder designers. But anyway, then you go into That's this my DM, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the point. This is actually the point I was trying to get to, because you fucking super hard platformer looks really nice. Oh. You <laughs> take away all your magic items, have to hack the computer to get it to work. Yeah. <laughs> my first game that I bought. It was SimCity for the Super Nintendo. Oh my god, that's a mistake. It was such a bad port. Very quietly 
<laughs> but also, like, the worst thing, you don't have a mouse. How do you SimCity with a mouse? so like, painful. It's the worst interface in the world <laughs> Now, to be Sim fair, City. you could get a mouse, right? Because remember, yeah, that, there was, there yeah, was, there was, was a mouse experience. Could you, could you get yeah. the mouse by itself? Or did you need, like, Mario, Mario Paint, Paint yeah. to get the mouse? My, no, you needed Mario Paint to get the mouse. My first two games were Super Nintendo. I got SimCity, and then uh, a month later, I got Populous. Oh, that and was you tough. You think SimCity was tough without yeah. a mouse? Populous was a tough game. Wow. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you did not play very good games. I must have gotten right. either a game before. I had then, other though. ones before. Like I had Mario purchased Kart yourself. And... Like I mean, I definitely had, I owned a lot yeah. of games, but a, a full like I am... saved up my money. This yeah, is yeah, my yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is for me. Yeah, and after that, it must have been NHL '94. That's yeah. the best NHL. <laughs> yeah. Those like long. I want to spend a lot of time doing the same thing over and over and over again. Games that that's. That was what I did on console. Yeah, yeah, but Earthworm Jim, man, what a great buy! Because because of the difficulty, like yep. yeah, a lot of life. The other one was uh, the X Men, the X Men game on the Genesis, which is also like set to preposterous levels of hard. I'm yeah. sure I guarantee you in 173 episodes I talked about my X Men experience, but I had it down. Took me forever to beat Magneto, but I had the game. It's a very hard game. You can look it up. I had the game down to the point where if I was at home sick. My mom was a lunch lady. Mm-hmm. Um, she would go uh, to work at lunch and whatever. So she'd be gone about two hours if you count, like, driving to school, the hour of lunch, and then coming home. Like, she was a, a lunch supervisor. So she'd be gone about two hours. I would have that game down to the point where I could, like, run to, like, from boot up to Magneto, get in, like, enough attempts at Magneto, die, and then, like, turn it off and go back to bed. <laughs> like, and then, like, and have the system cool down <laughs> to the point where... Because my parents would often touch the TV to know if I had been playing video games. Because uh-huh. an old 2 TV would be hot. For sure. So, yeah. Also, has that game has one of my favorite mechanics ever. Where... Because uh, it's the... Um, Magneto hacks the danger room. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the setting of the game. So, it's, like, you get to do, like, a best of X-Men with no continuity. Like, so you, you start off in... Where savage, you fight, start off in the Savage Lands, you fight, go fight in the Shire uh, Empire, you fight in Mojo World, you fight in whatever, because it's just like loading up Danger Room scenarios. So the levels don't have to make sense, because hey. Danger Room. Wait, all of these things are X-Men things, but how come they've never shown up in the X-Men movies? Mm-hmm. Hmm, I don't know. Hey, seriously, there's not even a Danger Room in the X-Men. What are you talking about? Uh, there's no Danger... Well, there is a Danger Room in 3. Yeah, but it's just like the balls attacking you, Danger Room. It's not the full version. No, no, no. They, they fight the Sentinel in it. Oh. Wolverine cuts the head off, and it comes flying out. Gotcha. But... No Savage Land, no Shi'ar, no, no fucking... Mojo World? Mojo World. Like, <laughs> they just... Oh, yeah, that weird sci-fi stuff? Nah, that's not X-Men. Yeah. No one wants that. No one wants you. Well, they sold millions of copies in the 80s and yeah. 90s. But either way, it was one of those amazing games. So then, like, you beat the last level in the in the Danger Room, and there's, like, a big, like, like, wall of codes or whatever, and then it says, like, reset the computer. And then it just sits there, and like I literally got to press reset. Yeah, to hit reset on the console. But I was like, but as a kid, I was like, but what if I'm wrong? Like this is the first time I got this far. Mm-hmm. What if I just reset? And like I like reset, and I was like, like kind of like if the next thing I see is like Sega at the beginning, I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like do 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 do, and like Asteroid M like flies up, and I was like, yeah, like. <laughs> Such a dumb little trick, but by yeah. God, if it did not like make me mark out yeah, hard. Yeah, twenty five years later, here you are remembering. Yeah, it. man, it's, it's like that's up there of my video game. It took me forever. Magneto is a hell of a boss. That was we're talking about. Were we talking about Battletoads on the show? Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Battletoads, <laughs> one hundred and seventy three episodes. 
Yeah, no, but but recently, Battlefield ninety hours of recording. Sure, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Come up. No, I think it was actually with Andrew and and <clears throat> Pat. Like Battlefield is another one like that. Like an insanely hard game. Yep. With an insanely hard boss at the end. Like it's not like the boss suddenly pulls punches after you played a super no. hard game. It's like no, you need you now need to. Be and able it's to... long. That game goes on and on and on. Battletoads, you can yeah. warp it pretty fast. Well, right? if you know all the warps. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. By the time. By the time I beat Battletoads, it was a similar thing. Like, it would take me, like, an hour and a half or whatever to yeah. get to the boss. Like, you're just running through and hitting all the warps. Like, the, I, I tried to play Battletoads, like, I don't even know. I was going to say recently, but it was probably, like, ten years ago. But it was, like, recently in terms of, like, it's released to now. It's and, on the um, the NES Classic, so probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I was trying to play it without warps. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, because I had warped so often as a kid, like, I had played it through, like, originally, and then once you find all the warps so that you can just do the boss runs to, like, grind the boss, mm-hmm. there are levels that I just, like, could not do. Like and the I- water level? Where you're on the, like, river level where there's, like, logs floating down? Yeah, I think you warp like, past that. I don't think Totally. You I, always warp past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you because that's after the snakes, or is it before the snakes? Or before before the, the snakes. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. warp to the snakes because you, you get... warp to the ice, then you warp to the snakes. Right, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. But yeah. like, there, there's like levels in the middle, and I tried to play it through without warps, and I was like, "What the hell?" And just like, my muscle memory was okay on the stuff that I knew, mm-hmm. but then on the like, even still, the the like the speeder bike level is still like I I remember playing it on the oh, NES memorized in front of people. You sort of memorize it, but this, you know, it's still tricky. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But you're but you're still like just. Because you, you can't, you can't even press all the way down. If you press all the way down, you, you're fucked. You're dead. Yeah, you gotta. It's like, gotta you go have to down. be like just like like half up, half down, just dodging the thing. So good though, you feel so cool. <laughs> I feel like we played a lot of different video games. There's a couple where we overlapped, and then like 2D side scrolling, like Turtles in Time. Damn, Turtles in Time. Turtles I was more of an original TMNT time. guy. I actually beat that. Fuck but, that game. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that game sideways. <laughs> TMNT I loved, but TMNT was a game that I could play with my sisters and drag them along to the end of the yep. game. Yeah. Yeah. But I never like, played. I must have. I must have spent a hundred hours playing NFL Quarterback Club '96. Like, I don't. I was that guy. Yeah, I never played. I, I, I never. <laughs> I never got into sports games. I think until PS2. Like, uh, I, I, I could play. I played a lot of NHL '94, but that's because a neighbor kid had a Super Nintendo. Like, you missed NHL '98, which is still my favorite fucking hockey game of all time because it had the best fucking announcers. Tell me about the announcer, Scott. <laughs> That's why goalies are like jilted lovers, Bob. Oh, it's yeah. easy to score on the rebound. Ba, 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 ba. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, Trash-talking NH- garbage announcers. The NHL games has like influenced the way I like I talk about sports games in general. Like we're playing Rocket League, and like when you make like a shot and you don't get like all of it, whatever. I'm like. Man, not enough mustard on that shot. Like, that is not a thing that I would ever say if it hasn't been for the NHL games being like top. Sh- like, it's like I mean, if you're gonna order, where do you like... order? Top shelf. I always do. Like, if the announcers just have like the <laughs> best lines. Like, it's it's it got weird there for a minute when Chris Cuthbert started doing the announcing for the NHL games because he was also the guy doing the fucking announcing for actual NHL hockey games. No, dude. Like that was uh, weird. Sarah, like, cause cause Simpson and uh, Cuthbert. He, no, but Hewson, Hughes, Jim Hewson, Jim Hewson and Simpson, I think, are the NHL ten duo. Okay, and they, but they also both work a lot on the NHL to the point where Sarah was like, would walk in, she's like, oh, you're watching a game, like, because that's how much like their banter sounds like the game. Like they have, mm-hmm. they just, they sound like they're fake people. <laughs> like they don't sound real. It's that was weird. That yeah, was yeah. weird for me. As opposed to uh, Pierre Maguire. Ba da da ba ba, Doc and Eddie. <laughs> 
Pierre Maguire interviews Jonathan Taves in the most awkward thing I've ever seen. That's that's. Oh, we can close on this. I guess oh. we started with hockey. We can bookend with hockey. Uh-huh. So what happened? He he not only interviews. Well, hang on. So the the context is the Chicago Blackhawks are a trash fire right now. Mm-hmm. They are the worst team in the league. They the lost Blackhawks? like yeah. yeah. They lost like ten in a row. They fired the coach that brought them three Stanley Cups. Their current coach is younger than some of their players. So it's just this like dude is like, Yay. <laughs> like this guy who should not be playing. They lose every game. Um they but, have a big win at home. But the core the core players of Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Seabrook is slowing down uh, Keith and Crawford. I guess Crow are like those guys are still doing good, but like it's hockey, right? So there's 18 other people on the team who do nothing. Except maybe Brindicate. Like Brindicate, you feel bad for Sad because yeah, I mean, he came back. He came back to this. He has a cup ring. I don't think you could be that sad playing on the Blackhawk if you're. I feel Stanley bad for Sad because he's the one who got traded for Panarin. Yeah, but I mean, but Columbus isn't even keep Panarin, so it's fine. Like it's not like yeah. anyway. So yeah, so the context is is they're like a hot mess i went to go see them in chicago when i was down there mm-hmm. and like the fans are like i don't mean, necessarily turned on the team but like they jeer a lot like there's a like they were still showed up they had they're a big enough hockey town that it's not like they're abandoned them there's still a lot of empty seats but it's but they're still like no it's like montreal fans yeah if you, if you lose they know what's happening yeah exactly there. that's it like jeering the coach like we want q back like that's the old coach and whatever they're like ouch like like one like, like what just like the, the best like an old dude behind me was like it's you know what guys just forget about scoring just pass the puck just <laughs> if everybody gets to touch the puck everybody feels like they're playing Pass it again. <laughs> it's just like you're passing around. There you go. Turnover. But, you know, everybody touched it. So participation all around. <laughs> go to the bench. Grab an orange slice. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Don't worry about shooting, guys. It's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, just, yeah. anyhow. So there you go. Big win at home. Big win at home. The fans are happy. They're loud. Pierre McGuire goes, Jonathan Taves. This is a live interview for television with the audio broadcast into the arena. On the right. rink. Like, okay. Hey, Jonathan. Sounds like they love you still. Jonathan Taves looks at him, looks at the camera, goes, I guess. <laughs> 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 yeah, so you played really well there, Jonathan. Again, he hasn't asked him a question. Yeah. Really. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> This is like the team captain who's like in charge of a garbage fire. Sounds like they still love you. Yeah, I guess. Like, like awkward. Like the video is like the audio is one thing. The video is like, oh man, poor guy. Can you imagine if you fuck up at work and then you have like Pierre Maguire does this like Pierre Maguire does this every week though. He's the worst. He's the worst. He made, like he's interviewing someone, but he doesn't ask them any questions. He's just like, I'm gonna make a statement. Your reaction. Uh, other man. other Pierre Maguire's greatest hits include going to Phil Kessel and then being like, Phil, tell us about your breath. What? <laughs> and Phil's like, it's bad, eh? Like and like does the like the, the breathing. He's like, no, I meant like your training, like like your heart of breath. And Phil's like, what? <laughs> but like that's not a way to talk about like getting heart of breath. Tell us about your breath. That's a that's you, like honest confusion. What are you asking me? Do, you, do I have bad breath? Because yeah. I'm like, like maybe I've been chewing on a mouth man. What do you I've want? I've been chewing on a mouth guard for the past hour and a half. Right? Yeah. Oh, oh man. man. Uh, I 
I felt bad for Jonathan Taves, but also entertained by his willingness to go through the awkwardness to its ultimate conclusion. <laughs> to hang on to the awkwardness? Uh, I guess so. I think that's the episode. Yes, sir. If you want to ask us questions on the air, I feel you should go to your pa- our Patreon, because that was how Jared did it. He donated some money, and then we would answer the question. Next week is going to be our very special look back interview? at 2018. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Stay safe over the holidays. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.